<laughs> Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. That the power of Christ compels you. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. What's blood for? If not for shooting. I'm your number one fan. We all go a little mad sometimes. Good evening, all you creatures of the night, and welcome back to the one, the only It Records podcast. We are so happy you're here. When I say we, of course, I mean myself, one of your hosts, Matt Johnson, but joined with us as always is Lindsay and Pete. Guys, glad we could retain you again uh, for the It Records podcast. Against our will. Glad to Against be our here. will, I would say. Against oh. your will. <laughs> yeah, against our will. Yeah, I've stopped. The payments have stopped coming, so now it's really just sort of you're forced to be here. But uh, nonetheless, it is appreciated. Your insight will be appreciated. Yeah. You wrote me into a blood contract. I don't know how you how you managed to do that, but you did. Well, we did that from the start. That was kind of our whole impetus for this podcast was a blood oath, a blood contract to uh, It Records, our one, and, our one and true podcast. That's very appropriate <laughs> with our selection today. <laughs> yes, very, very apropos. Did I use that right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't Someone know what that means. Check me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that word is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, before we kind of launch into our movie for today, again, it's just a one-off pick. We don't have a theme. We're going off of dealer's choice, whosoever movie it is. But before we tell you what it is, guys, I'm really kind of curious. What have you been watching, horror or otherwise? Welcome to the show. It's time to find out what the terrible trio have been watching. Or who has been watching them. I'll start things right. off. Uh, first things first. So I uh, have been taking a little break from Pretty Little Liars. Um, Ooh, okay. I was on season three of seven, so it's been taking me some time. The reason for the break is because... Uh, we finally got Paramount Plus in this house, and it's been the best and the worst thing <laughs> because I knew what was going to happen, and, uh, you know, Pete in particular has endorsed, you know, Paramount Plus, so I knew there was a risk, um, associated, and, um, I mean, I don't really spend a lot of time watching TV during the week because there just isn't a lot of time, but... Sure. Anyway, uh, I think I've built enough suspense. <laughs> I have been watching the Real World Road Roos Challenge, known better now as just the challenge. Um, so, like, I've traveled back in time to about 2007 lately wow. with this show. And, I mean, I, I really do mean, like, it's like opening up a time capsule. Because, <laughs> like, these people on the show will be like, hey... We got a clue on our, like, whatever, like, model of the phone <laughs> was, like, big at the time. You know, I don't even know Razor. what it was. Razor, some sort of, yeah. yeah. you know, something like that. Like, the LG 
uh, intensity <laughs> to or whatever. Um, and so I've been watching the challenge. It's freaking great. Uh, you know, not all of it has aged well, but you know, that happens. How many seasons of that um, show is there? Oh my God. There's so many. There's, I think over 30. Oh, I'm particularly interested in recovering my youth. So that means like from fresh meat, that was like 2006 up until like dirty 30, which was, I don't know, maybe five years ago or something like that. Mm. I'm not really interested beyond that because I don't know who anyone is on the show anymore. So, but I've got a lot of material to go through currently. I'm on the dual two. And I okay. got through the Gauntlet three and I remember uh, those seasons. the island. Yes. Um, this the island was weekend, a weird season, so. don't you think? I I don't like the island. That was such it's a, a copycat weird format. of no the challenges. Survivor. I would say it's like they tried to be like yeah, sur- that, exactly. They tried to be like Survivor, but like with the challenge twist, and it just didn't work. It didn't work, and I think yeah, that's exactly what it was because apparently the show was like on the verge of being canceled at that time. So I think they were trying to revive some interest. Um, it didn't work, and that sh- that season is also really bad just because of all the misogyny. Oh yeah, and, uh, it's that's a bad you one. Know? Oh yeah. I mean, you have so not a good season at all. Johnny Bananas, uh, not a good. Already an asshole. Yeah. That's really when like Johnny Bananas became Johnny Bananas. You know, like before it was John, Johnny, and then like he emerges. You know, and. As the face really of the bad. challenge for the next 15 yeah. years. Johnny Bananas does? Co- becomes the face? Yes. Oh, yeah. He's like okay. the most. You're, you're talking like, to a person who knows face. of the challenge. Yeah. has never watched an episode. So I don't know. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, never. I've never watched it. I, I think I, you I, would like. I think you would like it. Because like you, yeah. you were much yeah. more into reality of that era than I was. And, like, I enjoy it. I think because I like the competition reality shows yeah. a lot. And then, like, there's so much drama, especially in the early seasons. Oh, my God. There's – you have CT yeah. getting in fights all the time in his youth. and Those are just people from reality shows. I'm yeah, so they were – MTV that are now they're on most reality likely, show. They're most likely in Real World or, like, uh, Real. another one. I forgot the other one. Road yeah, Road Rules. Rules. And then they would, like – they're like, oh, who was the best? And then, like, then they started pulling from other reality shows that were related to MTV, but that didn't happen until much later. Like, they picked, pulled from Big Brother. They pulled from like hmm. uh, some of like the love shows. I can't remember what they're called. There's like, there's like dating shows that are on MTV that they pull from. Are you the that's one? yep? That's the one. <laughs> Stuff like that. So I don't care because I don't watch those shows. Um, so I'm not interested in seeing those people come. There's some some people in the so. newer ones that I like, like that I don't mind. They're like, oh, they're not as a terrible person as other people. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean that's been uh taking up a lot of my time. Um, when I have free time, so it's been good. It's been great. I sometimes like having those blocks of shows where it's like you've you said you've seen a lot of these episodes from like when they came out, but like finding a show like that, either I've seen or want to see that has like 30 seasons. I kind of enjoy that. Like, all right, and play. Let's just this is going to take a long yeah. time. Let's just get we'll just get through it. I'm along for yeah. the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like a mini series and three seasons. 
I'll be done with eight episodes a piece. Yeah, that's our way of life mm-hmm. now, you know. So in some ways it's good, but you know it is nice to uh, be able to go back to the good parts of the past. So oh yeah. So the challenge, challenge for Lindsay. All right, Pete, have you been watching anything horror or otherwise? You generally have a good, a, a good letterbox Most, list. Yeah, most likely otherwise. Not too much scary movies on there, but uh, I'll, I'll go through it. Uh, the Gentleman, Devil in the Blue Dress, Wild, Promare, Knack at the Cabin, Ghost, Doc Hollywood, Cars, Menace to Society, L.A. Story, St. Elmo's Fire, Atlantic City, About Time, this movie uh the twilight saga eclipse that is the third one in the franchise return of the jedi and after hours so you just watched the third twilight i did yes i have two more to go okay because i never watched them i never watched it before courtney wanted to go through the series and it is it is a bad franchise but uh you know there's there's something about it It was a huge success. It was. I can't take that away. I can't take that away. It made a lot of money. Yeah. It did that. And then I wanted to The Gentleman. Is that the one with Colin Farrell? Is he in that one? He is in it. He's not the main guy, though. It's The main guy is the guy from Sands of Anarchy. McConaughey's a lead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What's his... Is he... He's a G. But I know who you're talking about. The guy from Sands of Anarchy. He was in King Arthur as well. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name. He's like Charlie Hunnam, I think it is. Okay. Um. And oh yeah. And actually, like Hugh Grant is in it, and I actually really like him in it. Like I, I hear that Hugh Grant's kind of an asshole in real life, uh. But he plays an asshole in the movie, and it's pretty great. Like I, I very much enjoyed that performance. So he can play that very believably. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've heard that. I don't know that if that's real or not, but I'm gonna take people's. And so, I guess when did you start? Your lit your letterbox list was it March sometime? When do you have the? Is that what you read your letterbox list? I did. By the way, is it was it like late March? Because I'm going to read mine too. I'm kind of so, curious. So, oh, st- like where I started, uh, made March 18th is okay. is where I left off because I looked up cool. when the episode dropped from when you posted it, and I thought that was corrected the because you posted it on the 17th, and I thought. Oh, that was probably around when we recorded. Yeah, it would have been a couple days. So, yeah, that's close enough. A lot of movies, no TV shows in there. Doesn't sound like. Uh, So, oh, actually, there is as of lately, I am rewatching Arrow, which is a CW show. I never finished the show and I'm getting really into it again. I never I think I didn't make it past season two in my first watch. Now I'm in season three. Like I rewatched it from the beginning and i know now there's like there's i don't know if you know about these shows but there's like a lot of connected shows to it that they call it the arrowverse it's like all these dc shows that are connected to all uh, all and they're all on cw so they have like crossover events and i just got to like the first crossover event and i was like man now i gotta watch all these fucking other shows too (laughs) it was the flash part of that that tv show yeah so it's like yeah it's flash Supergirl, Batwoman, DC Legends of Tomorrow, 
And I think there's another one in there. And I know there's Black Lightning, but that one apparently is not a part of that. Hmm. It's not connected, but it's connected, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Interesting. I always found it interesting. I don't want to open up this can of worms, but Ezra Miller got to be the Flash in like, yes. the movies. But that that actor was playing the Flash on the TV show. And like, people w- loved him. Yeah, and then they were like, oh, the Flash is going to be in Justice League. That was the first appearance, right? Yes. The, yes. Okay. And it was like, it, it would have seemed like an easy, I, I would have thought, to have that guy be <laughs> the Flash, but... I think they kind of... I th- I think a lot of movie studios still think TV as lesser medium, even though literally like TV has been outperforming movies... Big I would time. say for a while, I still think there's like a stigma for like, oh, you're a TV actor. You don't have what it takes to carry a movie. Yeah. And yeah. I th- like, I, would agree. I haven't seen The Flash, so I can't say what he's capable of. But I do know that people really like him as The Flash. And before Ezra Miller was a terrible person, I, di- I didn't think he was a good Flash. But certainly now... Like with his new movie coming out, which I'm bummed they didn't just reshoot a different actor as the Flash. I think they probably finished it by the time that stuff came out about him. Yeah, that's my. And then they were just waiting to kind of like things cool down, is my thought. So I'm a little disappointed in Warner Brothers for not doing more with it. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Like it was done, and then all the stuff came out, and. They want to release it because supposed they think it's going to be big. I mean, like Michael Keaton coming in as Batman and like the time travel stuff. I mean, that's really the only reason why I want to see it. Honestly, is because of Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah, they think it's going to pull on they and they can the Batgirl movie, right? Yeah, like, they got, compl- it got completely. Gonna be, canned, was, yeah. was that going to be an HBO show or was that a? Movie? It was going to be a movie released directly to HBO Max, and apparently was. they said it was so bad that it's unreleasable, but. I think the real reason is people are saying that like because of the recent purchase of Discovery now merging with Warner Brothers. Sure. They were now trying to find nice. Yeah. They're trying to find ways to save money. So they like, okay, we're gonna cut cancel that completely, write it off so we don't have to like it's all a tax write off. Yep. So that it can never see the light of day. And they canceled other shows that they removed like Westworld from HBO Max, I know that, and Why? a couple other shows because they didn't want to pay the the residuals to the. So they thought like, oh, these shows. Did Discovery Plus buy HBO, or was it the other way? It's the other way. I thought so. Okay. So there's like a couple shows like that that they've deemed not worth them airing on HBO Max. So the only way to see that is like through other means or buying it. It's like, otherwise it's like very hard to like stream. I think it's like through like fucking direct TV or some shit. It's like, I need, it's yeah. like spectrum. It's like, okay, I, I'm not going to buy direct TV to watch the show. Just watch Westworld. Yeah. That's one thing why I still like buying like seasons or, you know, um, DVDs. And thankfully the libraries are still out there for reasons like this. Like if everything's streaming, yeah. when big mergers happen, they can just write off a show as if it's a tax write-off, and then it's just gone. Like, they they have it. They have all the rights. It's gone from the streaming service, and they can't release it because they've written it off as, like, a tax write-off. So now it's just kind of 
in a database somewhere. Yeah, well, like that. That's even worse with like the Bat um, Girl movie that like yeah. no one is ever going to see that movie. Like at least with Westworld, you can see it. Right. Like it's not gone forever, but like Batgirl is literally gone forever. Like I don't know if there's a way to like bring it back. That's a bummer. Yeah, it is a, it is a bummer. <laughs> That's a bummer. But we'll see what it's happens. Like, it's it's called Max now, right? It was yeah. HBO Go, then it was HBO Max, and now it's Max because of the Discovery merger. Wait. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. It's going to be called Max. Like I think the price is going. The price is going up for. I believe new people. If you're already like a subscriber, I think the price doesn't change. But I think it will go up eventually because that's what happened with Netflix. Because like I was grandfathered for a very long time with Netflix's like original price because I got it like super early, and then like eventually they just like now I pay like fucking like almost twenty five dollars a month for fucking Netflix. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be the same after a while they just want to make it seem like less of a a softer hit that oh yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna raise them but they will but what happens like years. To the discovery plus people do they have to pay a whole new thing or do they get grandfathered in to the this new max platform i don't know i think yeah. i need your your sources at hbo to, I to feel, get back yeah <laughs> i feel like they probably have to subscribe to hbo max sorry, yeah. sorry max now i don't i think I don't think they're going to get lucky because like the only other example I could think of that's similar is like how Showtime merged with Paramount like is yeah. streaming services, but they Paramount and Showtime were owned by the same company for, for forever. So it's not like, it's not like a recent purchase. Yeah, I guess so. It's so like they, they, they got grandfathered. They just like were like migrated. They weren't like, oh, you got to pay for this now. Yeah. And it's it's also weird how HBO thinks they have to like rebrand every time. Or like that's still Paramount Plus, but it's gone from HBO Go to Max. Now, to, sorry, HBO Go to HBO Max. And now it's Max. Because I think HBO Max is, that's fine. It, it, yeah. You, HBO Go is fine. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> HBO Go is fine. It, that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> no. But it's a, it's a similar thing where it was like. You could stream. They were one of the first ones that did that where like you could stream without well, they were the one of the few ones that like HBO was a non cable but cable package sort of a thing. It was yeah. premium cable. Yeah. So it having was, HBO Go it was, was for the elite. Unique. Yeah, I think they were the first to the, the first premium cable channel to release that. Yeah. Like I know stars and all of them have that shit. But mm-hmm. like I think HBO was the first one to like you can you could not have cable and you could pay $15 a month to have HBO go and you could watch our content. Yeah. That's how I watched game of Thrones. I remember when that came out. Cause I that's had how I watched. That's how I watched. Actually I watched game of Thrones because of Thrones. my mom had that's HBO, but okay. by default had HBO go. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't know about the merger, so now, that, you know now you know, it. you know, uh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. This is terrible. Yeah. So that's going on. And I won't even get into the writer's strike, but that's happening right now too. So the content of your shows might go down. About that. <laughs> oh God. You remember the last one? That's where we got the Kardashians it's because of the last writer's strike. <laughs> it's true. We got the re- Remember when we all thought they were going away forever. And then like a couple months later, they came to Hulu. Hulu yeah. was like, psych. Yeah. We're back. 
We're not going anywhere for the rest of your lives. <laughs> we're never I don't say it was pretty smart, though, <laughs> on Hulu's part. They're like, we fucking got you. Don't worry. I feel like that always happens whenever yeah. a show leaves. Like, some network will grab it. If it's if they can see the interest from people online or whatever, they'll grab it. If, if they just think they can make any amount of money. Yeah. I mean, that I just can't believe... I don't even know what they were on before, but I can't believe they let that go because... I feel like that was very stupid of them because it obviously made money. Well, it was on E. It was on E. <laughs> was it? Okay. I mean, I think. And I think it was. I didn't e. know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's been like 15 years. Yeah. Like. Doesn't, I mean. I never wanted to keep up with them. Some but people like, do. My cousin does. And I, yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, okay. last I knew, she, she watched it pretty consistently. Is she still keeping up? I I don't talk to her about it, but uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Please find out and report back. Yeah, we're to gonna us. need that. Um, I want to know who's watching this. Who's still watching them? Yeah. Well, Hulu's got that Disney arm. They need the money to buy a show, so much more so than E does. I'm sure they don't have the backing. Yeah, I guess that's true. They probably have a little bit more revenue. Mm-hmm. Crazy Disney owns Matt, what have you been they watching? Have Disney Plus, but they also own Hulu, oh, yeah. so they get everything that's on there, too. <laughs> they own a part of Hulu. They don't own the whole thing. Yeah. A majority share, but not the whole share. Yeah. So they get a lot of money. Like, they own ESPN, too. So Disney's fine. Disney's fine. But I have and not been watching or, any Disney. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Before I go down my list. No, there's like a National Geographic, I think, they own too. Yeah, and that's on Disney Plus. Like that's yeah. on part of that package. I think it'd be easier to list what they don't own. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> what they don't own. Warner Brothers. That's yeah. it. <laughs> that's their biggest competitor. Well, H the combination of HBO slash Warner Brothers, whatever that is, because they're in partnership somehow. And HBO, I feel like HBO, if we're talking shows, is top tier like TV shows content that comes out. Yeah. They've got the, the good shows. But I have not been watching any HBO shows. I've watched Ted Lasso. Keeping up with Ted Lasso there. Uh, the Diplomat, which is Netflix. Um, okay. with Carrie Russell. And... I've started to rewatch Breaking Bad because nice. I was not a fan the first time through and I really have not gone back and watched it. And so I promised a friend that I will go back now that it's been several years and give it an honest second viewing and see if I still my feelings still hold true. I'm not a, not a that's, a hot that's a hot take. I know when people ask when that's like a, a real icebreaker when they're like, oh, what's a hot take? What's a. Uh, unpopular opinion you have it's always like i don't like breaking bad i don't think it's a good show that certainly would raise some few eyebrows i think <laughs> it would it, it does i think it yeah. would going giving it an honest second opinion so i'm almost through season one right now which is kind of toned down i mean it's it's really just like set up for what's yeah. to come in the later seasons but shows if we're going back to march 18th i'm talking Adventureland, Hot Rod, Fever Pitch, yes. Moneyball. Got into some baseball mood, I guess. <laughs> and 
and then April hits. You gotta watch Summer Catch too with Freddie Prince Summer Jr. Catch. If you're gonna be watching baseball movies, thank you. Is Matthew Lillard in that, or is he in a? I don't know. He's in some baseball movie. I thought it was that one with Freddie Prince, but okay, we'll see. see if that's the right one. Um, but when we hit April, I got on a Quentin Tarantino kick because I went to a trivia with some friends. I watched them all. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, The Kill Bills, and Glorious Bastards, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Django. Got them all in just in time. Oh, wow. You I got was... them all in, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I got them all in before oh, wait. the trivia. Did you get death proof? Did you get death proof in? Death proof in. Sorry, yeah. Got death proof. I didn't get in like... Uh, I didn't watch any of the ones that were like Natural Born Killers or uh, Terror Planet or what's the other one? Dust Till Dawn. Like he has writing credits or producer credits. Did you watch but... uh, what's the other Western he did? True Romance. No. I didn't no. watch. Still got a the Once Upon a Time. Oh, Hateful Eight. Sorry, what did you say, Lindsay? Sorry, I was no, interrupting. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is so good. Yes, it is. I like that one quite. A, that's his most recent one. Is it? I saw that one in 35 millimeters on Friday and went and saw it digital on Sunday. On the <laughs> opening weekend. You're like, I must compare. I got to see the difference. Yeah. <laughs> did you see what I was going to ask? Like, did you see like the Netflix for the longest time had like. Yes. The extended <laughs> version of Hateful Eight. It was like broken down into episodes. And I actually like. I liked that version best because I saw it in theaters and it was like, it wasn't the full length version and I wasn't crazy about it, but I, then I watched the Netflix extended version. I was like, Oh, it's much better. Yeah. I like that version better. It was like, weren't they all like two hours a piece, like each episode? Oh, they were close to that. I it think, was something like that. I think it was four hours in total. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I think each episode, I guess was an hour, but like that's still, like a lot. <laughs> so I I got all those in. We won. No big deal. We got first place. Fantastic. But outside of Tarantino, I watched the movie we watched today, The Place Beyond the Pines. Uh Oh my was, god. That's a good rewatch. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that came out when we were at ISU. I remember talking about it with you. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun that's Derek Derek Sion France who also did Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah, that's when I discovered Bonavere because oh really I from that I didn't know who they were, and I believe like the the wolves I think was in the movie. It's like the ending song. In yeah, the movie. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was not familiar with Bonavere at the time, yeah. and I was like, "What is this? This is such a good song." <laughs> <laughs> so that, and I'll round out. I saw Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That was in there, not the not the River Phoenix one. Cause, yeah, I realized that I was mistaken. Because he's in the show. But uh, that, I was surprised. Yes. I was very surprised when you said that. I was like, "You want to? You're interested in this '50s movie? What?" <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> maybe never mind." <laughs> I mean, it's based on the same thing. It's just I watched the original musical. But we're Phoenix. Yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting musical for sure. But rounded it out with horror. Sleepaway Camp, which we've done. Mm, and then yes. I saw Renfield and Bo is Afraid. How is Renfield? Yeah, I was, I wasn't I was, a fan. I'm, I gave I'm, it two stars. 
on my. That's kind of a bummer because it seemed like it could be good. Agreed. The I like the setup. I like the premise. Nick Cage is great as a Dracula, but the the rest of the story kind of lackluster. How's Nichols Holt? Fine. Like I think nothing to write home about in terms of the Renfield performance was fine. Ben Schwartz, who I really like, was fine. Almost overdoing it a little bit. He plays a villainous character in this one. Ben Schwartz is John Ralphio from Parks and Rec and Sonic the Hedgehog. But was afraid, though, Ari Aster's new movie, really good. But it's also really strange. Also heard that. <laughs> it's probably one of his strangest ones. But Joaquin Phoenix is in it as the lead. Another Phoenix. Wait. Joaquin Phoenix is in what? Bo is Afraid, the new Ari Aster movie. Who Ari Aster did like Hereditary and Midsommar. Martin Scorsese apparently really liked Bo is Afraid and commended Ari Aster in his work and said that like compared him to like the talents of Stanley Kubrick. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) that's that's some praise from Scorsese right there. Yeah, I've said to people like, you know, you might... I mean, I enjoy it all that much, but it's definitely one you got to see because. Hey, Google, stop. Right, <laughs> Google's going off. You got some alarms. But it, it's just so unique in the vision. It's three hours. And it's essentially the best way I've described it is like he's a person who's racked with guilt, thinks that whatever decision he's going to make is the worst, has a lot of anxiety. And the world you see is that world. And every decision he makes, the worst thing does happen. And it does spiral out of control. And there's no break from that. There's never like a third party character who's like, oh, that's what Bo is going through. But that's not what's really happening. You never get that. So you think everything is real. That's the reality you're in. And it's an intense three hour ride. (laughs) That's for sure. So that's Bo is Afraid. And that's what I've been watching. That looks horror or otherwise. Trippy. And now that we've we've kind of concluded our our thoughts on this Max merger, what we've been watching horror otherwise. What we watched this week, though, is a 1994 film directed by Neil Jordan, based on the book by Anne Rice, Interview with the Vampire, part of the Vampire Chronicles. Yeah, I think that, I don't know why this happens, but I always want to say, and I don't think I'm alone in this interview with a vampire, it's interview with the vampire. Yeah, I think that's like it's probably one of the one of the most misquoted titles. My default is like yes. interview with a vampire. Yes, I have to think yeah. about it that it's the vampire. <laughs> I was calling it that until I actually watched the movie. Yeah, and you see it in big <laughs> titles when it comes over in the opening shot. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they put the Vampire Chronicles in there too. Like that's in the title and it's in the movie title. But And yeah, yeah, no one ever says that like when we talk about There's it. like freaking 10 books in that freaking franchise. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. I think even more actually. I th- I thought it was 10, but I maybe even more than that. There's a lot. I know she was writing them up until fairly recently. Um, yeah, she passed away not too long ago, and I think she wrote it like right before she died. Yeah, the, the latest one. Yeah, and there's been they've been adapted into shows and movies, but I think this was the first. I know there was a a lot of discussion about this for like Paramount. I think got the rights back in the '70s for this movie. Like 
and it just took forever for it finally to find the right home, the right director, the right actors yeah. for it to get what we saw in 1994. Yeah, this is the original. Brad Pitt in his heyday, and Tom Cruise. I guess in his heyday, Tom they're still Cruise. they're still going, but he's still he's still like going strong. I think I think he he doesn't dip until like I think a little later, and then obviously has a huge comeback. Cruise, you mean? Yeah, Cruz. Tom. Tom, as if I'm on a first basis. <laughs> oh, Thomas? <laughs> Tommy. Little Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I even think this is like early Pitt. Like, I think this is heyday for Pitt and like being like the the good looking guy, yeah. sexiest he's... man alive type of person. But he's early in his acting career. Like, yeah, Fight Club Pitt has not happened really yet. Still, yes. Pitt like hit the ground running, though. He like, I think. Since everyone found him to be so attractive, it just like, oh yeah, you're in every huge movie ever created. We're gonna put you on that screen. Gonna put you on that fucking screen. Plaster you up there. Yeah, by this point, I feel like Tom Cruise was well into, you know, what was his like first? I I remember I wasn't there actually, but one of his first, you know. Risky business parts where he was part of ensemble cast was the outsiders. That was 1983. So he'd been around. Oh yeah. You've had risky business. Top gun is like late eighties, yeah. right? Like a couple of years yeah, before that's this. 87. 86, I 87. Think. And even this isn't as big, but cocktail I think was out by that time. I thought that was a failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as good as top gun. And what's the, what's the one you did with Oliver Stone? Is that after this movie? You know what I'm talking Born on the 4th of July. Born Born on the 4th 4th of July. July. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think he was very well established. Um, and the big name of the movie though, you know, Brad Pitt's coming up just behind him basically. And Kirsten Dunst is coming up, I think pretty new, but she's going to play a part in this movie. Um, Yep. Very well, I will say, preemptively, um, at whatever age she was at. 11, 13. She's a great actress. She's a great actress. Yeah. She really She, is. like, holds her own. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the plot, like, against scenes where she's, like, fighting with Tom Cruise. Like, I, f- I feel like in those moments, cause she's supposed to be a vampire who's in the body of, like, an 11-year-old, but it's probably, like, mentally been a vampire for 30-plus years or so. Give yeah. her change. The time span of this movie... Yes. I think she commands that really well, that she doesn't seem like she's a child, a child. Yeah. Um, when she's talking to him, that's someone else to look for in this movie and Antonio Banderas. We'll get him. We'll get Antonio Banderas in this film. Yeah. We got the star. It really cast. is, especially for like, it's very rare. I feel like, I don't know. You don't see that in horror too much. Like to have such yeah. like a high profile yeah. cast. Yeah, that's true. I guess. I mean the 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 books must have been so popular yeah. and it, I think they are. I think they're just huge. It was in the works for so long too, and big budget movie, right? Oh yeah. I think relative, yeah, to other horror movies, definitely. This almost seems like a blockbuster type budget. Yeah. I mean, you had to pay for all those actors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's, I, I mean, there's some good sets I think on this uh, in this movie, and Stan Winston is going to do the special effects, which is not. A whole lot in makeup, but Stan Winston's no like Jurassic Park, Terminator, Alien. I think the sets head. is what sets it apart the most because they Pun intended. truly. Oh, they set it apart. 
No, it was not okay. pun intended. You could have taken uh, credit for it. Yeah. No, no one would have yeah. known the difference. Because <laughs> they do like look incredible and it is very much, you feel like you are part of this like old world of the United States. And when they travel to Europe, you, you feel it like the seven late 1700s, early 1800s. It seems like that's the era that it takes place in. Yeah, because it seems like at one point they're in. It takes place in New Orleans for the for the most part, and there's at least one scene where Louis is talking about how it's the New World and there's all these people coming over. So that that to me yeah. sounds like early 1800s Ellis yeah. Island time period. It sounded like he was there before the United States became the United States. Like he was like part yeah. of the French that just were there for a while. Yeah, because they own Louisiana. Like mm-hmm. the Louisiana Purchase, how we we obtained it, but. It at least starts in 1791, and he's 24. So he's there around the revolution, um, prior to it, technically, like when we became a country. <laughs> so Louis, which is Brad Pitt's character, Louis Brad Pitt. Um, but it starts off with, wow, this is, we're co- coming full circle with these phoenixes. Uh, sorry, something popped in my head. Uh, Brad Pitt's character is talking to an interviewer to start the movie, the titular interview with the vampire. Yes. It's Christian Slater, but I don't know if this is in trivia, but that was River Phoenix. And I, it's always, so River Phoenix was cast, but so he passed away in 94. I guess I just didn't connect it. 93. Yo, Christian Slater, I know was slated not pun intended uh-huh. to play two years prior in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula with like Gary Oldman. He was go- He was originally cast to be Jonathan Harker who Keanu Reeves ended up getting. Sorry, Keanu love you. Not very good in that movie. He's got a terrible Br- British accent if you ever watch it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> two years later, Christian Slater is going to be an interviewer, not a vampire. But it'll be in a vampire movie, a pretty big one, ninety-four. But yeah, that's that's our setup. Christian Slater's interviewing Louis, which is Brad Pitt, and he's wants to just recant his tales to somebody about his life. And he begins at the start, right before he became a vampire, where he's living in New Orleans. He's a plantation owner. He's wishing for death because his wife passed away in childbirth with uh and their their infant child died as well. So he's He's grieving, he's depressed, and he's like seeking death almost to the point where it seems like uh, it it doesn't seem like it attracts Lestat, who's a vampire played by Tom Cruise, to seek him out um, and basically offers him the chance to, I can give you death as he's biting into him or offer you this other life, um, something you've never dreamed of. And Louis succumbs. Louis says, sure, why not? I'll... uh I'll try out this vampire life. I got nothing to lose. I guess that's the reason. Did he have another one? Is he was like, I have nothing else to lose. I just kind of want to, or was it so painful from once I, I he don't got think bit? He really, like said, I think he took a while to answer too. Yeah. I, I don't think it, the answer is clear. I, I think it's, he didn't want to die in the moment when Lestat was trying, like biting him, like twirling him in the air above the water. And so he just said, no, I don't want to die. But by that point, he had drank so much blood that he was like turning. And so like he food tasted bad. 
Like he couldn't yeah. go out in the sunlight. And so it was like, well, you can live like this forever or I can turn you into a full vampire. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, he had a choice, but he really didn't have much of a choice is how I interpreted it. Agreed. I, I, I That's kind of how I take it. It was a forced choice which from is, Lestat. Which is why it's so funny when Lestat is like, I'm going to give you a choice because yeah. I never had one. Yeah. I find it's it like, interesting up, that there's a state in between vampirism and like human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that's kind of like a half. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that really uh, portrayed before. Yeah, that's true. He's like. No, I don't think so. He's like in between. When he's like laying in his bed, like miserable. And because in order to fully become a vampire, like he bit into him enough that there's like vampire blood in him. But in order to become the vampire in full form, you need to drink, like be sired from a vampire. And that's what he'll do is he'll drink Lestat's blood in that graveyard. So that like is the full transference. You have to then suck a vampire's blood and and drink from it, which... I thought was interesting, like the transformation in the graveyard was that you have to die. Like when Louis was in so much pain, he's like, what's happening? He's like, oh, that's just, you're dying. Like your mortal self is dying and you need to be reborn as a vampire. So this is normal and it's going to hurt. So I'll see you on the other side. (laughs) Basically. But then he comes to and he sees like that statue turn and look at him. Yeah, that was weird. Because... I guess part of being a vampire in this world is that you see things that humans can't. And one of those is that, I guess the statue looked at him like statues. Look at you. You see the world differently. <laughs> I don't think he like, he, I think he even said like, I don't know if it said you really looked at me or not. I think like he, I took it as him kind of having like a moment with like thinking about his wife. Cause like, I thought it was like her grave. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it, that he was just, like, having a moment. Like, kind of like, oh, I'm like, I'm never going to, like, see you. Oh, yeah, I guess. He's, like, basically leaving that life behind, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's how I took it. Okay. See, that's that's interesting, because that probably is true, because I, I have, like, all these thoughts on Louis and, like, how... We'll see after this point is he doesn't want to kill humans. He's like feasting off of like rat blood because he has like still this connection to humanity and he he doesn't want to hurt humanity. And I wonder if the the impetus for that in that moment is like he sees his wife's grave and it like looks at her and that's sort of him being like, I'll never be connected to you. I'll never be there. And am I losing this part of me because I'm I've been I've chosen to live to get live forever that I will at least make every step I can if I'm a vampire not to harm humans not to kill them and hold on to this part of being human and this caring rather than what Lestat will say is like Lestat compares himself to a God at at one point. He's like, God kills indiscriminately and we can too. Where I don't think Louis has that vision um, of what it means to be a vampire. He has not. Yeah. But Lestat's been at this a lot longer than him too. And I don't know. Yeah. He's just a completely... I don't know. Yeah, if you had to take a guess, I know it's never stated, like, how long Lestat, like, has been a vampire for? What would you say? Less than 400 years, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, because of shot the dark 200 yeah, years. Antonio Banderas later on says that he is the oldest living vampire. Right. So less than that, in some respect. I do know 
That is not true in the book canon. <gasps> Blasphema. I, I, I spalled. I was like, because I was like kind of interested. I was like, do I want to read these books? I was like, this story is very interesting. I feel like there's like a lot of the world that they could like kind of like go into. Like there's a lot of world building that this author could do, especially with there being like 10 or more books that mm-hmm. you could dive into. And then I like accidentally spoiled a little bit for myself that I'd like that little tidbit is not in fact accurate. He's not the oldest. Armand's not. He is not the oldest. Does that come in in a later book or like in Interview with the Vampire? Oh, it comes in much later. Okay. So it's now not canon, but when they made it, it was canon. Potentially. I think probably he he thought it to be true because like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he it seems like vampires are pretty scarce. At least that's the impression of this movie that like, cause we see Louis search for vampires for a very long time. And then he, the only place where there were was Paris, which is very interesting that it's Paris, mm-hmm. I guess, cause it is such an old city, but there are many other old cities that Louis visited. And I guess they could have been there, but have died. Right. They, I think they went to Egypt. Like that we see that we don't see them there. But we see like Claudia's drawings that shows like a montage of where they went. But Paris is the only place we see actual vampires. Where there's actual vampires, yeah. And and I like that idea of this movie where I feel like in other ones, you don't really care if there's other vampires or you, you just assume there's more. But like in this one, it was like, you felt like I felt for me, it was Lestat, Claudia, and Louis. They were the only vampires because they they themselves had like a general like, is there any others? There wasn't like this, this coven, like in what we do in the shadows where they meet the vampiric council. There wasn't that where we all know what each other are doing. It was all like, we're kind of just isolated in the world. We want to seek each other out, but we just don't know. We're not in close coordination. I like that. I guess like travel for vampires, especially across the sea. As they, Louis mentioned earlier, it's like, that's how you survive is by eating rats to survive a long voyage. Yeah. Because, I mean, how how's a vampire that can only feed at night going to, like, survive with so few food sources? I like that line because I thought it was also a reference to, like, Nosferatu or Dracula when they cross on the boat um, to yeah. the mainland. He's like, yeah, it's rats are good for long boat trips, too. I thought that was like a nod to those movies. I'm trying to remember now. I feel like there was a certain bit of lore that this movie introduced for vampires that was not the case for traditional vampire lore. I don't know if you guys caught that. I'm trying to remember what it was because it's been a while since I watched this. and I'm trying to remember what I what I thought it was. Like tropes wise, crucifixes, they said don't work on them. They yeah, live in that, coffins. Sunlight's bad still. Yeah so, yeah. so, like the crucifix one, I think was one of them, but I thought there was like another big one. I guess like invitation was not, does not seem like a big deal either. Reflection's not a big deal. We see, yeah, that one. We see the reflections. I thought there was another one too that it was just like, oh, this is like kind of like rewriting the rules a little bit here. I don't know. I was trying to think of like drinking the blood, but they do that in Lost Boys. 
Garlic? I don't know about garlic. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was garlic. ever really talked about. I don't know. I just made that up because I couldn't remember. I mean, that's a, that's a stereotype for yeah. sure. Immortality, that's always kind of a thing. Like, they live forever. I was going to say, like, they try to make them look really good looking. That's for sure. Um, but I feel like Lost Boys try to get cool looking like teenagers. That's more like teenagers. Maybe not that were like good looking people, but as younger vampires. But I think they try to make them look cool in Lost Boys, too. Yeah, I mean, the, cool. he's a Joel Schumacher's is like, let's make him cool. So yeah, make him look cool. <laughs> I don't know if it's it's not really a trope, but it is it more so like. I know this is brought up a lot with this movie is like the the relationship between Louis and uh, Lestat more so like in the past, like vampires are seen as like womanizers or like, yeah. And they're not so much like they, they they're with those women, but it, it, the dynamic really seems like they are together and they end up getting Claudia yeah. seems like they're a family unit. Yeah. Like, it is very like, yeah. has like overt, like, homosexual tones to it mm-hmm. and i was very surprised by that because i did not know that about this movie i was like oh they're just like going for it yeah and it's like interesting because they don't seem to be too sexual either like no like they they trick the woman like you said but they like don't have sex with them they just like oh we're tricking you and we're gonna drink your blood Yes, to feed off you. And it it was funny because like a lot of I know I know this is like another trope actually of like how like Dracula like sucking the blood it was like very sexual but like they very like emphasized that every time I believe someone was like in their blood taken from a vampire it was like it was like like they're like first it seemed like they're enjoying it and all of a sudden they're yeah. like oh yeah. my god like I'm I'm dying. <laughs> Yeah, like there's that one where it's the two women. They're like, uh, and then they're at a a place in New Orleans at like a hotel, and he's like, it looks like kissing the girl's neck. One of them, yeah. as the other one's laughing, and it, and he goes, "Oh, it looks like your friend can't hold her wine." And like, in her situation, it seems like it, it's a very sexual embrace that he has with the other woman. That maybe it seems like he's saying that to her, but we saw from the other angle, he's like biting her neck, like drinking from her, <laughs> and it's yeah. But to the point about them being a relate like in a relationship, I I thought I read that it's even more explicit, like in the book, that they are a yeah, couple. I've yeah, heard that too. I've heard or, it yeah. like it more leans in at least from what I read mm-hmm. of like a person's like interpretation was that like it is more like it is like more asexual like they're not having sex but they are like seems like they are in love with each other and like. That they yeah. just like love each other so much that it like hurts them, and then like the only thing that was weird was like Louis's relationship with like Kristen Dunst's character because like mm-hmm. it like it was like his you know if it was like a daughter relationship makes sense he lost a child I get that but then like it he he's also like in love with her i guess like like that part was very weird and like came off as super icky and creepy especially when she kissed him and like i was like oh that was weird (laughs) yeah yeah i always took that 
at least from his perspective, that he always saw her as a daughter. And as she started to get older, like mentally, she wanted to have a woman's, like she wanted to grow and become a woman and not be a kid. And maybe she did. Maybe she started to have some sort of attraction to him. But in his eyes, he always, I think, saw her as a daughter. There was a line he, there was a line he said that, that there was a line that he said that, that actually goes against that later in the movie. Oh, do you have it? Or like I don't. paraphrase it? Like I, I can paraphrase it. Like yeah. basically like how he was saying that like how he liked her young skin or something like along those lines. Oh. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was when he was talking to Christian Slater. Like it was like one of those scenes and he okay. was talking about her. And then I caught that line. I was like, oh, that okay, further well. cements the creepiness to it. Yeah, I'm out of excuses for you. Though. Yeah, mm. it. it and it's even worse in the book, actually. It's like, because uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I, like not that it, not that it, it's not bad. I think it's somehow worse because, like, I don't know the full story, obviously, because it seems like people write it off as like, oh, they're not like since they're not having a sexual relationship, it's not as weird. Is like kind of like that's the person's interpretation that I read, and I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I really buy it. I mean, and then yeah. she's much younger in the book. Like the character is like how much younger? She's like five. Wow. When he's like, when he turns her, he's probably twenty. Well, he's twenty four, so he's like twenty years older. When that happens, right? Like when mm-hmm. she's five, yeah. he's twenty four. Yes. So at some point, though, I mean, as devil's advocate, like she's still in in a a child's body but like if they're together a hundred years like she's mentally at this point 105 and he's 124 i know you don't physically do anything but she's not a kid anymore so like if he's like having like a connection like i'm sure it's like a struggle for him to be like you're still a kid yeah no i hear i hear what you're saying like (laughs) i think for me in the book that is easier to write off because it is you can't see a five-year-old yeah, on the screen well i guess that is technically a part of it but it is not a real person being involved in this whereas like kirsten dunce was forced to kiss a grown man you know what i mean there are there are like real life repercussions like like that is this creepy like i know it's yeah. like i i don't think like, either one of them was thrilled about it. Like, I'm sure I, they weren't I, pumped <laughs> going like, into I know, shoot like, that day. You know, you could have like an innocent crush or whatever when you're like a young kid, you're like an older person, whatever. That's right. I would say relatively normal, but like the fact that they like made this 13 year old, I think she was 13 years old, like a young girl kiss a grown man is definitely a little bit of a uh, weird. It's weird. Yeah, it didn't need to happen. I really don't think it did. We got the point, like, without that. Yeah, I agree. Where did the kiss happen? Was it when he wanted her to sire the mom? Or was it earlier? No, it was, like, after they, like, took care of Louis, or around then. Oh, Lestat, you mean? Like, they killed him? That's what I meant. Okay. Lestat. um, And then, like, he was, like, kind of laying down, like, outside. I think he was just, like, staring outside. And then she went in and kissed him. Okay. It was like on a balcony, I want to say. That's what I remember. Okay, yeah. My, my oh, memory on the balcony? 
I thought it was on the balcony. Yeah, that's yeah. when he sires yeah, the mom. Not needed. That is when Jared. he sires the mom? Okay. Yeah, because he's sitting out there like contemplating. He's like, you took the last good part, of, like the last human part of yes, me. Yes, you're right. That is when what happens. he did that. Okay, yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's pissed. That Rightfully sounds so. When she figures out what's going on. Well, then she's immediately, like, after that scene is like, that part really, like, jarred me. Is like, you know, he t- she wanted like a mother, motherly, as how I took it, when she wanted that person to be turned into a vampire. Is that how you guys took it when he brought Madeline to Louis? I guess so, because, yes. like, it seemed that, but, like, before with, like, the other woman, it seemed like she wanted to be her so that she yeah. could be, so that she could be an older woman. Yeah. And that's kind of what I thought at first. But then, like, she was acting. I thought she was tricking him. But, like, I want a mom. Like, I, like her I think manipulated. Right. Her manipulating him. Yeah. Mm. To have... But the, the woman herself was okay with it because yeah, she lost she like, a child and she yes. kind of saw Claudia as her child, which, yeah, in, in, in reading about this, is this in trivia, Lindsay, about the author's daughter? No. Okay. Go for okay, it. Cool. Um, Anne Rice lost a daughter um, oh. really young, and Claudia was kind of meant to be mm, an extension okay. of that, like forever immortalized at like this age this young girl um was kind of writing claudia into the book um and just another double down is like madeline later on would be her the author coming in and being like I, i'm good being a vampire forever if i get to be the mother yeah. of like this child i think yeah that's you know kind of in real life then but also in this movie like they're all searching for something to replace with oh lost, yeah or someone yeah you know mm-hmm. so that's abundantly clear I wonder what Lestat was like looking for. I don't know. A mirror yeah, that to, I don't know. To, a mirror to navel gaze at himself. That guy was like. I hate Lestat. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, he, uh, he, I'm he with is, you. I'm with you. He Lindsay. is the villain. He is the villain. <laughs> and I think Tom Cruise actually does a very good job being very creepy in it. Yeah, it's funny because he is portrayed at one point as a villain. I think like the group of vampires become a villain later in the movie, just at different times. He plays it very well, but like he annoyed, he's so bombastic and like self-centered, like it's very vain. He wants Louis for himself. He wants Louis and he needs to be this way. And even he gets Claudia, he turns Claudia so that maybe Louis will stay or Louis will be happy. He's not so mopey and sad that he doesn't have a kid or, or whatever. And he, they even say Louis seemed like the more nurturing person. Like she crawled into his coffin when she was yeah. a young kid, but he said Lestat was more of like a teacher and she was his pupil and they, they went out and killed together and whatnot, but never was like this caring person for her. So it was with Lestat, it was always like, how can this benefit me? Mm-hmm. It was always, what can I gain from this? Yes. Was that the other trope? Was it the coffin thing or was that the one trope that was true? That was true. That was true, that's, at least. That's that's okay. a true. Yeah, that's a true trope. Okay. Yeah, because they said okay, crucifixes didn't work in this okay. one. Stakes of the hearts didn't work. But okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, that oh, that, that oh. might have been the one I was thinking of. What were you gonna say? Okay. But maybe well, one trope that they brought up also was that don't drink a dead person's blood. I don't oh know. yes, that was weird. I was. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. I think that actually was what I'm thinking of. Yeah, because okay. it'll. Will rule the stack. Claudia tricks him in that scene to drink those young boys' blood, and she laced it with some poison. I thought, 
it, yeah, I forgot what she said. It was like some kind of like no, medication. I I, I want to say it was like because he thought it was absinthe because he like knew that he like something was wrong immediately. Laudum, L U D L A U D U M. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm not quite sure either. I don't either, actually. But he drinks it, so it is like some poison type thing. And also, they were already dead. Oh, wait, no, that's what it was. It they were dead, but it kept their blood warm. Whatever that thing was, so yeah, he well, thought they were alive, and he drank dead blood. And then she slits his throat, though, and he also yeah. bleeds out. That scene, yeah, what a badass. Very, very gruesome. Also, can we say the Lestat survived a lot? I know where I'm jumping the gun. Oh yeah, he survives he, that. He, he survives that. He survives the burning of fucking New Orleans. He gets set um, on fire. Yeah, and just like, and by the time like Louis sees him again in the '80s, he's just like, I want nothing to do with you. And Lestat's like, just wants to go back to the glory days of him being pretty again. But oh, you were mentioning Lestat like survives a lot. He does. Yeah, he gets burnt. He gets. I I do think once he comes back, like after he was drained from blood from Claudia, that when he comes back from the swamp, that whole scene, that that jump scare when he grabs Louis at the door, got me. Oh. And the makeup that they have him in to make him look like gaunt and like drained yeah. of blood, and his like gums are sucked back because he's he's so dry because there's no blood. I thought he looked really good and creepy in that scene playing the piano. Yeah, this movie is really yeah, good at like playing up. into the atmosphere. Yeah. It's much I, I do really like the whole atmosphere they created for this movie. Um, I agree. All around and the, very gothic. Yeah, very mm, gothic. Yes. And the music is yeah. adds to that as well. Really um, lends itself to that. I feel but, like it's kind of interesting that this is like came out in a time that people don't look fondly on in horror. You know what I mean? I feel like nineties yeah. horror for the most part is pretty much looked down upon i know scream was an outlier but like i feel like 90s horror a lot of people were not very into it no there was the reboot with like the slashers um but that was it i mean we scream did it and then and they then the cycle started again with like i know you did the, the summer urban yeah. legend but then not i don't i can't think Fine of pieces of cinematic history <laughs> yeah top top shelf um <laughs> At least in my house. Yeah, Urban Legend definitely. <laughs> and what's everyone's everyone's house? Let's be honest. <laughs> There's a movie called I think it's called I've Been Waiting for You with Sarah Chalk from like Scrubs and Roseanne. Have you guys okay, heard of that one? Interesting. No, that no. one. I think it was a TV movie, and I love that. Movie. I will watch that movie. I think Ben Foster's in it too. Okay. Looking it up. I would give that a chance. I've been waiting for you. I like yeah. how you say. Roseanne. I mean, I know Sarah Chalk was in Roseanne, but she was <laughs> like the first the, season, right? <laughs> no, she was in the last season. Oh, she she's replaced, the re- she's the replacement. She she's replaces the, the 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 actress, and it's funny they switch off a couple times as a joke. Yeah, Roseanne and Scrubs. I'm more mainly from Scrubs. This looks really good. Okay. Are you looking it up? It's uh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like uh, exactly what we need. I'm totally. I think down. we're gonna do our next movie. Uh, we're gonna do our next podcast on this. Yeah, I'm down. Sarah Chalk, Ben Foster. Yeah, <laughs> it's based on a Lewis I'm Duncan so book. So joking. Interesting. Soleil Moonfry is in it. Why didn't you lead with that? <laughs> Sorry, Sarah Chalk was my lead. <laughs> She's the lead in that movie. That's fair. Uh, yes, we 
bringing it back to this movie came out in the 90s. Uh, but, you know, 92 was Bram Stoker, which is Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. That was 92. This is 94. Okay. So vampires were, okay. were, I guess, coming out in this early 90s. Adaptations was big. Vampire. I, I, I would maybe think that the actually pushing this one forward to be released in 94 might have been because of the success of Coppola's 92 movie. Won a couple Oscars. Oh, was it slated to come out in 95? What's that? Was it slated to come out in 95? With this one? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I just think we know it had like signed over production rights in like the 70s and it had just been in production oh, hell right. for a while that I think yeah, what finally maybe pushed true. it was like, oh, people really seem to like uh, this. Yeah, we need to capitalize. Yeah, this Dracula this. movie. And it had, that had a big cast. That had Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves. Had a big name director, um, and it might have just made the push that people want to see this one. Okay. I know Neil Jordan's not as big of a director as Francis Ford Coppola, but Neil Jordan's he's directed some stuff. That's true. Yeah. But I will say, I know we've talked about Claudia and Lestat being killed by them and Louis. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that there's a scene where Claudia and Madeline get killed in the sun. Oh, yeah. Because, and Louis was damned to be held upside down for eternity because the one rule not just the one rule of fight club i guess the one rule being a vampire is you can't kill your own so because they killed the stat <laughs> they also another big killed. no-no is turning a child turning a child you're right yeah they don't do that and i i think good reason because uh she was pretty fucked up <laughs> yeah. right yeah turning a child so that's that's the other one that's right um and armand kind of let that happen who is Antonio Banderas. But I will say that scene always scared me as a kid. I remember watching this as a kid, like that scene where they were all like, because that music is so, I think startling in those scenes, like that, those strings that are playing when they're like dragging him to the coffin to hang upside down. Yeah. And also like this troop of vampires, they play vampires on stage for humans, but the humans don't know that they're real vampires. And that scene when I was a kid where like that woman comes on stage and they undress her, and Antonio Banderas comes out in the red outfit, and then they like swarm her. The other ones, it's messed up. Yeah, it it scared the hell out of me as a kid when I watched this one. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, avant garde for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it is. They are French. They are. Yeah, we are in Paris. I would say like Antonio Banderas' character is very interesting because he's in it for such a short amount of time. Yeah. And he also had a huge fascination with Louis for some reason. I think, I guess it seems that they're like leaning into the Brad Pitt like attractiveness. For sure. They're just like, he's just like so captivating that like the, these other vampires are in love with him. And because she, he risks like he, even though he's like the leader, all the other one, every other vampire wants to make him suffer because he broke the rules and he's kind of tired of them anyways. Cause he's just like, Oh, they just like, I don't know. He seems like kind of bored with them is what it seems like. And Louis is more fascinating to him and wants to spend time with him and gets turned down ultra hard. He does turn him down. And I think it's, it's why he's fascinated with Louis it is the sex appeal, but also that he keeps saying in some fashion or another that like you, in order to be relevant or in order to be interesting, you have to be of the times. 
and he he was bored with his troop because they became like stuck in their ways i think more slapdash sort of a thing and louis was like oh he seems fresh he seems new he seems like he's searching for answers he's he's trying to find new things in this world he's not just like we know everything this is the world and he was fascinated by that but also yeah he did want him for himself um and louis didn't want that because there there's that line i love it this is like in in that final scene where they're like looking at those paintings armand and louis and he's like, we can live forever and forget this suffering. Like, we can forget what happened back there. You and I can go traveling and we'll we'll find these new things. And Louis's like, no, what's the point if we don't know suffering? Like, it, it's what connects us to the humans. It's what makes us real. It's what creates these bonds between people is that we have these memories and we have these pasts that we, we feel happy, we feel joy, we feel sad about. I don't want to just repress those. And Lestat was kind of like that in a different way. Um, and so that's... That's why I'm more of a Louis fan. Um, oh, absolutely. For those those thoughts, maybe not for the the thoughts of who he was attracted to, um, if it being Claudia, yeah. but the idea of like trying to stay human and hold on to those sort of humanistic qualities. Yeah, well said. I mean, I guess the interview concludes there. It, it cuts back to Louis after. He's killed that coven. He's left Armand. He's back in America, in New Orleans. He's seen a sunrise by watching a, a movie, but he finds Lestat, who's all withered away. Um, and ultimately, the interview ends because the Christian Slater wants to become a vampire, wants to become a companion. Louis says, no, have you right. been listening to me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that, that was so maddening. Yeah. Dude, like... Have you not been listening for the last three hours? Like about how terrible this experience has been. What part of this sounded good? I said I've been miserable <laughs> right. for hundreds of years. He's like, where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> like, this sounds yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really miss it. That ending. That's a really good ending. Yeah. That's why I want to. I wanted more. I was just like, what's? I was like, what happens? And I, and once I found out there was like. A book. Yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, the stats there, fully fully back in his prime. I'm guessing gonna try to find Louie with Christian Slater's character, but I believe I need no introduction. Yeah. That was always his <laughs> line. Yes. That was a pretty good line. That's good. It was. Well that that was just top tier. Well then he hits the radio and it's sympathy for the devil. And it says, please allow me to introduce myself. It was a weird cover. It was a weird cover, though. Yeah, I think it's Guns N' Roses. It's not the Rolling oh, Stones. Was, was it Guns N' Roses? I was like, why? I was like, what is this version? Yeah, I think it's their, it's their version of it. Yeah, but he, yeah, they roll out there. In, uh, well, th that's in San Francisco. Yeah, New Orleans is where they are when they're vampires back in the day. But this is all taking place present day, quote, when it yes. came out in San Francisco. That's right, because yes. they're crossing the bridge to end the movie as the credits roll. But I think, you know, where where it stands is it's 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Thought it'd be higher, but that's where it resides yeah. currently. I think there were some mixed reviews with this one. Yeah, I wonder if, if it was maybe people didn't think it was as faithful to the book in some respects and didn't enjoy it. Or I know I think some people said that nothing really happens. It's like they, that's not true. they kind of amble from like he gets turned into a vampire. They get they they try to find a vampire. They find some. And then he kind of comes back and finds Lestat. Like, I guess 
that's what we said there was like villain changes. I think I really like I think the the journey is really him trying to find out exactly. himself and like what it now means to be a vampire or is he human in that kind of struggle. Louis is really the main character, I think. Yeah. Um and dealing with his subsequent immortality. Um Yeah. You know, and how that isn't such a great thing as it turns out. Right. It's not always a good thing to live forever. There's some downsides to it. But but it was a commercial success from what I understand. Yeah, I think so. And it had uh, some stiff competition like The Lion King and, of course, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh, did it really? That... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't there, but that's what I read. Interesting. Yeah, that would be tough competition. I mean, I wonder if... What is it? I mean, people might not have known that The Lion King was going to be as good as it was. I wonder if this was more successful than The Lion King at the time. Hmm. I wonder. Um, I guess it's two different audiences. This is an, an R-rated film. That's definitely. True. But yeah, it was $60 million budget, which I think is huge for a... What does that translate to today for a horror movie? Right. $60 million. Right. Oh, I'm going to take a guess that it's 50 What? That it was $50 million budget? That's my guess. Oh, it was six. In, today, in today's standards. It was less than? I'm saying that you're saying it's $16 million, right? 60. So, oh, 60. Yeah, 60. Yeah. I, I see the problem now. I was like, I was like, oh, you're just not hearing me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's ridiculous. God, that's yeah. that's gotta be like what? I would say 90? 90 million? Yeah. Close to 100 million, probably. I mean, for a horror movie. At, what 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 year is this again? 1994. 94. Let's see. And it made 223, so it quadrupled its wow. budget. Yeah, that's that's pretty significant. Well, while you're looking up that that number, I do have a trivia for you. Ooh. Oh, you 122 got... million dollars apparently. So you almost double. You over double. Your what it, what it was. 122 million. That's That's, like, how much is it an Avengers movie? Like one of those movies today. That's half. That's half an Avengers movie. Yeah. That's still crazy for a horror movie. Uh, That's a huge budget. What's like the conjuring is like a bigger budget. budget. But I think that was like like 20. Yeah. I'm looking up. Conjuring was 20. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) Yes, my brain's good for something. It's recalling budgets from movies I've talked about. <laughs> I feel like budgets for horror, so skill. like they realized that like going bigger wasn't necessarily better. Mm-hmm. I think like I mean I I would say like there are examples where that is not the case, but I think when you have too much money and not enough restraint, especially with a horror movie, it like you need to be creative in your problem solving. And you just can't sure. get that when you have all the money. You're like, money will fix my problem. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> what is it? Is it necessity? Necessity is the mother of all creation. Is that what is that the expression? I have no idea. So it's 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 what you're kind of saying it's like if you don't have if you if you gave somebody a week to do it compared to an hour. If you gave someone five million to twenty, the constraint creates more creativity mm-hmm. because you're confined to s- these smaller things where yeah. if you have so much you don't know where to start maybe you use too much 
So I think I thought that's the expression. I might be butchering it. Let me know in the comments if I just butchered an expression. <laughs> I like it. Let's take it. But I, I do have a, a quick trivia that I found when I was looking at this movie. Okay. Th- this might be in your trivia, but this is another trivia. This was Brad Pitt's highest grossing movie he'd ever been in until what movie? Uh, Ocean's Eleven. I was literally going to say that. That's correct. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven beat it. That was really? that was the first one. Yeah, that was a huge hit. Yeah, yeah that was Which is like early two thousands, probably a decade later or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But so huge success. I mean, it's sixty four percent Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's garnered more of a following than when it came out. Um, but it was up for an Academy Award. It didn't win anything, but it was up for let's see, best art direction. And score. I like the music in this. I thought like the production design yeah. looked really pretty. Very good. Yeah. That's interesting for a horror movie because again, I feel like that can get skipped over. Yeah, agreed. And I'll say because I I watched that Dracula movie 1992. That one was also up for art direction. So it was a good okay. good time for horror vampire movies in the early 90s. They had good <laughs> production design. <laughs> um, but I guess to, to round out like where it's at. Queen of the Damned was a sequel to this one, but I think that's the third book where this is the first book and there's one in the middle that they skipped or they combined elements to make Queen of the Damned, which came out a couple years later. I think actually early 2000s okay. it came out. I've seen that cover like I think like a million times because I think it Same. was like it was like probably on early Netflix, I want to say like. And I just like I remember being like aware of it because it had such like a weird cover. And then never, I've never seen that. Literally, never seen that. Same. I I can I can tell you what the cover looks like because probably either Netflix or like going to a movie store. Yeah, like we saw it at Blockbuster like a hundred times. Yep, walking <laughs> through the and I was like, oh, that's an interesting cover, but I never never watched it. Not as nearly well received, I don't think, as this movie. But there's also the new interview with the Vampire Show on AMC, which is supposed okay. to follow. You're is you, are you watching that? Uh, I haven't. Well, I've watched the first episode, so I haven't watched mm. a lot of it. Because so, I thought I saw you watching it, but I guess it was just the first episode. Yeah, if you're on that AMC Plus, I am. I I was using that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I I started after I watched this back in like March, um, and I just haven't got back to it because I wanted to start watching another vampire reference. Let the right one in. There's a TV show for that too. I forgot about that. Yeah. So that's out too. <laughs> All right. So that's box office and budget. Clearly a commercial success off the charts did very well. But now Lindsay, do you have any trivia for us for your interview with the vampire? Almost said, let the right one in. <laughs> Whoops. I do have some trivia. Um, there's a lot yeah. on this movie. You know, it was a big commercial, big budget movie. We all, I think, have probably heard of it. So there's a lot out there. Um, but one thing I did not know um, before was that all the actors that were playing vampires um, on the set were required to hang upside down for up to a half hour um, during like the makeup application process. Um, you know, so that all the blood would brush their heads, um, and I guess it would cause, you know, the blood vessels to make their faces bulge, which is the look they were after. Um, 
So then we go artists would then trace over the swollen veins um, to kind of um, amplify the translucent, you know, look. Um, but I mean, this is something that they had to do like over and over and over again um, because, you know, the blood would quickly drain back, you know, from their heads. So um, can you imagine? Like, that's torturous. Yeah, yeah that's like, pretty terrible. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a Stan Winston thing. But I mean, he has to do this a lot, but I'm sure he wanted to be like as authentic as possible and like make it trace it to their veins, mm-hmm. which I can appreciate from like a practical perspective instead of like, you know, putting the glitter on them like in Twilight and CGI in post <laughs> where like he he made it a practical makeup effect. Right. But just for the actors, it seems like yeah. very torturous, very tedious every time he came to set. Well, and I would have to wonder, I'm like, what is the real difference like between like, okay, you doing that and you not doing that? I don't think the audience would have, it wouldn't have mattered. But I wonder too, because kind of a quick sidebar, um, apparently Brad Pitt like was miserable on the set of this movie. Like... And I'm like, is this one of the reasons why? Because I can understand that. <laughs> like, Probably. he tried to get out of it because he just, I don't know if, like, it was just, I forget why. Um, I forget. They got why me hanging upside down all the time, <laughs> draining <laughs> I mean, not the blood to right my there. head. Be enough for me. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting and horrible. Um, hmm. Another thing, um, I think this is pretty uh, well known. But I still thought it was worth mentioning um, when the author, Anne Rice, found out that uh, Tom Cruise was going to be cast as Lestat, um, to say the very least, like, she wasn't very pleased. She had some pretty harsh words for him, um, including that he simply could not carry the part and called the casting, quote, so bizarre, it's almost impossible to imagine how it's going to work. And, quote, the worst crime in the name of casting since the bonfire of the vanities. <laughs> Which I've never heard of that movie. Um, but that's a direct quote. Um, she, <laughs> <laughs> she had, like, other people in mind. Um, like, including, I think, uh, Jeremy Irons and John Malkovich. Um, she just really did not see Tom Cruise in this role. Um, and she even suggested that like Brad and Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise should switch um, because it was just that inconceivable to her that he could be Lestat. But, um, you know, she ended up being wrong. And uh, she did realize that after she was sent the movie by a producer, she wouldn't watch the movie. She wasn't part of production because she was so upset. And um, she actually wrote him a letter of apology. And... <laughs> Backhanded compliment, I think, but, quote, that Tom did make Lestat work was something I could not see in a crystal ball. Yeah, it's a little, it's still passive-aggressive a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, thanks. It's like she doesn't like him, like, a lot. Like, for, you know, that's interesting. That was all before the Scientology stuff, too. That's true, yeah, that's before that time. So, I don't know what it was. I thought he was into Scientology by at least Mission Impossible. I guess that is after this. That's after this. Yeah. That's, that's, like, that's like 99 or so. I feel like he I wasn't was that open about it until later. Same. I, I don't think he... I remember being like, 
the Oprah interview time, like yeah. getting close to being with Katie Holmes. Like that's when it came out that he was like an advocate for Crazy. like really into Scientology. Yeah. That's when it, I remembered at least. I think that's when he probably dipped. I remember we kind of talked about like his, how he was oh, like, his prowess. Yeah. His, his prime was for a while, like eighties, nineties. And I think like the, I think him going, announcing Scientology and, World of the Worlds not being a big as a hit as they thought it would be. Yeah. Really yeah, hurt that's him. That's right. Forgot about that one. And then, like, I think what actually kind of brought him back was his, like, cameo in Tropic Thunder because it was so inconceivable of, like, him doing that. Because I remember just being completely blown away that that was Tom Cruise even doing that. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I think... Like even to Tropic Thunder's point, I don't. I wouldn't even think that he, if that role was shown to me, that he could pull it off. But I thought he did a. He was very funny in that he movie. He was very funny in that movie, yeah. And like to Lestat, I think, I I thought from what I read that like he didn't look the part. Like from what was in the in the book, um, could have been a part of it for for Anne Rice. Um, but I think watching this movie, I thought he did a great job. I thought he really played Lestat. Even though I don't like Lestat the character, that's a credit to his. His acting to it, like making him a sort of a villain, villain to Louis. And hateable. He, he, he did have like a Tom Cruise moment. I'm trying to think like how to explain like typical Tom Cruise. Like, I feel like early on Tom Cruise, like it's very easy. Like his freak out in Jerry Maguire is very quintessential, like Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like you kind of get that a little bit in this when he's upset. But it's not as I I, I kind of see it as um, not laughable, but it's I, I like I'm not that crazy about Jerry Maguire, which I maybe is crazy to say, but that is an Oscar winning movie that Whoa. I feel like hot take. It's a hot, <laughs> hot take, take. I know. It's okay. It's been a while since I've seen it. Maybe, but I think it's 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 not the it's greatest. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. I think you know. No matter what you think about Tom Cruise, like, as a person, as a public figure, like, his acting is, like, he's one of the best to me. So, I'm glad that Anne Rice, you know, had a change of heart, because the fact is, um, he absolutely nailed this role. So, that actually, want, I, I'm sorry to steer us away from this for a second, but we didn't talk, we didn't talk about enough about Brad Pitt, I thought, because... Okay. I know there's like a lot of stuff that came out about him recently. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Like mm. he um, like got into really, and I guess not even big trouble because he's seen no repercussions from us so far, but he was in a flight with Angelina Jolie at the time when they were married. They're no longer married because of this incident, but he got into an argument, I believe with, one of his children and then like physically attacked one of them. And then Angelina came to the child's defense and then he choked her. And then like, okay. since it was like on an airplane, the FBI had to get involved. So that's why I think there's like not as much light about this. Cause it's like an FBI investigation, mm -hmm. but like, but this would have been, 
It would have right. happened years ago, right? Like, it happened pretty recently. It's like within the last three. Whenever her, whenever Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt divorced, is like literally like because of this incident. Right within the past five years, right? That's probably yeah. right. I think, so. divorce. Yeah. I think so. I can't even remember. But yeah, I just like wanted to bring that up because yeah. we didn't talk I- about it. I've never really cared about Brad Pitt. I won't lie. I mean, that's fair. I just, I think I like Tom Cruise more than him, <laughs> and that's a bold statement. I like both of them, like a- as far as acting goes, mm-hmm. and they both have their problems. One, right, in different aspects, you could say. Um, but yeah, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> they both, they both very much hold their own in this movie too, and. I yeah. think they were great casting choices. I, I and I think I think Pitt does well in this one. I think he was cast for his looks at the time, but I think, you know, looking at it, I think Tom Cruise and even Kirsten Dunst do a better job at like commanding the scene, and and Brad Pitt does all right. But like knowing Brad Pitt now, like twenty years later, I feel like he he acts better. Like in more recent movies I've seen, where he still feels very, I guess, naive in 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 this role or. It just seems like, I don't know, maybe it's just because he's compared to Tom Cruise and I guess Kirsten Dunst is younger than him, but I thought she did a better job. I think Kirsten Dunst like had a very strong beginning in the middle of her career and now it's like, now I feel like I barely even see her. What's she even doing, you know? Is she doing any acting? That's my She name. was in Power of the Dog last year, that one that was up for Best Picture. Okay, I've never seen okay. it. She, I mean, I think she was like a supporting act. I mean, but she's like the only female character in it. But it's mainly like Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, which I didn't know she's married to Jesse. Is it Plimpkin? Is that his last name? He's in that one too. But, the guy from Breaking Bad. No, is that the character's name? Jesse Plemons is the actor. I'm thinking of. Oh, Thank wow. you. <laughs> I've been watching Breaking Bad. So <laughs> he's in Breaking Bad. Jesse Plemons is. Yeah. All right. I haven't got there yet. Then it's this later. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst, I think, has always been a strong actress. And, like, she's just been in so many movies that, you know, um, we equate to, uh, you know, we were talking offline about, you know, the how great the 2000s were. And she was just in everything, I feel like, back then. And that, yeah. Know, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, was like, Kirsten Dunst's time. Like, 90s, you got, like, yeah. this movie. Jumanji, yep. small soldiers, small soldiers, yeah, um, virgin suicides, yes, yeah. Uh, what's that one called? There, she's like, I think it's called Dick, where it's like, the yeah. oh yeah, Jason movie. Uh huh. Um, that's right. It. Bring it on. She did. Bring it Crazy on. Beautiful yeah. With Jay Hernandez, which I just loved. That's the movie I was trying to think of. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's that, that rom com? Not rom com, really, but yeah, yeah. Spider Man movies in the two thousands. I mean, yeah. those were huge. I've always liked Kristen. Oh, yeah. Kirsten, sorry, not Kristen. Dunst movies. Yeah, I'm always drawn to him. I don't know why. Maybe because she was like such a prominent in my like. I watched Jumanji, Small Soldiers, Tower of Terror. Oh yeah, Tower of on, Terror. On the subject of Kirsten Dunst, that's actually my last uh, trivia point, and um, I think this is kind of funny. So she wasn't allowed to watch the movie when it was released because her parents thought that it was too scary for her. She was 12 years old at the time. Um, But I guess it was okay for her to be in it. Yeah. 
but not that's watch it. it. That's the trivia. I guess, like, yeah, there's a difference. Like, you know, you don't really see, like, but it looks like on camera, and, like, the, you know, the illusion is gone. Like, you know, it's, like, kind of brought to, like, real life. Like, you know, you could say, like, in The Shining, like, that kid was very young. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. Stanley Kubrick, like, didn't want to, like, mess up the kid. Like, he was, like, treated him well, but not Shelley Long. <laughs> or not Shelley Longo. What's her name? It's Shelley Long, isn't it? Oh, is it? Or is, or is it Shelley Duvall? Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Shelley Long is the one who's in um, Troop Beverly Hills. That's right. Yeah, Shelley Duvall <laughs> yes. was in The Shining. I just, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I get what you're saying, and it does make sense. But, like, if it were me, that wouldn't, no, I get you. That wouldn't be good enough. You know what I mean? I'd be like, make it make sense. Because yeah, I, I, to the way that, I get what you're saying, Pete, about, like, you know, there's an illusion that, you know, maybe you think you're acting, and then the movie is, like, really trying to immerse you in a world um, and go on that journey. But the way that Kirsten Dunst portrayed herself in this movie was, like, very, very... I was saying better than Brad Pitt as mm-hmm. like an 11 or 13 year old when she was. So she must have mentally committed to the world, the role she's playing in. So that seems if you're trying to hide her from the movie, like she clearly went there when yeah. she was acting. So at right. least let her watch it. Cause she, she was there. I mean, her, her That's acting funny. was, it sold it for me. She, she seemed like she was a 30 year old having that conversation with Tom Cruise, like that she lived throughout these decades and wanted to be a woman and not be this doll for him. But yeah, I felt that. Watch her own work. (laughs) Yeah. I I understand what you're saying, Pete. Totally. I just, am like, I guess if it were my kid, you're not going to be in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) You got to stay consistent. Yeah. This is a no go, but that's it for trivia. I, I need to look up. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Now for trivia for looking up, I need to see, was this her first movie? That that popped into my head. It's got to be one of the first ones. It's definitely got to be one of the first ones. That she's been in. And the other movie I was thinking of, Lindsay, when you said Crazy Beautiful, was Elizabethtown. Was, I don't know oh, if you ever saw I that one with that. Orlando Bloom and, and her. Did you guys watch Elizabethtown? I've never seen it. Many years ago. I hated 15, it. 15, 20 years ago. I've heard it's bad. Really? Okay, so it's not just me. Is there a consensus? Yeah, there's a consensus. Cameron Crowe again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You would think it had like all the right parts to be like a success, and it just wasn't. Well, we've clearly destroyed Elizabeth Town, but we need to now go to this movie. (laughs) Will we defend or destroy? Interview with the Vampire. We've reached the conclusion of the podcast. Congratulations on making it all the way. You have one final challenge. The terrible trio will decide whether this movie passes the test. Choose wisely. Defend or destroy. I think, Lindsay, this is your choice, so you go first. She does. Um... Overall, I thought it was a very strong, again, atmospheric, um, gothic horror movie. Um, You know, I really thought those elements were presented very well. 
um, throughout the movie, um, the themes that we've kind of touched on, like the immortality and survival, um, you know, and that eternal darkness that uh, these characters mean, like, or I guess, namely Louis, are faced with. Um, but it's an all-star cast. It's got really superb acting, um, an interesting plot. I love the ending. <laughs> um, so it's a defend for me. Nice. Right. Pete, I can go next if yeah, go ahead. If you like. Um, I'm going to defend this one. I'm, th- I'm throwing it out there at the beginning. I watched this when I was younger, probably when I was like 8 to 10 years old the first time and being scared of the certain scenes I talked about. And it had taken another decade for me to watch this again and was very pleasantly surprised watching it now in my 30s. Um <laughs> watching it um and i really enjoyed it from the cast i really enjoyed tom cruise performance kirsten dunce as i've mentioned brad pitt was um good in the movie from the cast but i really liked the the deeper themes that kind of probed whether it be like the relationship between tom cruise and uh brad pitt's characters um and them raising a young claudia vampire to like their own takes on immortality and louis like trying to hold on to his humanity and like what it means to be human and do we hold on to this suffering where lestat was more animalistic and godlike thought he was more of a god and like that philosophical debate meanwhile looked beautiful from i thought the production design the makeup costume and the music set a really good atmosphere throughout the movie so i really enjoyed it I was looking for more. I was ready for more Louis and Lestat adventures when they peeled off at the end. And I guess Christian Slater, if he's, <laughs> if he's around. To kind of piggyback off of that, like, that's kind of why like, I was like kind of interested in checking out the books because I was like, I'm intrigued with this story. I want to see where it goes. And the fact that it's like a, a long series makes it kind of appealing and like not knowing where it's going. But Ultimately, what I'm saying is that I also defend this movie because I did enjoy it a lot. I enjoyed it much more than I thought it would because I feel like my impression of this movie was almost like nothing. Like, I just didn't know what to expect. So I kind of like always like wrote it off. Like, it's like, oh, it's just like dumb name for a movie. Bad movie. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like how my brain perceived it for so long. And then I watched it. I'm like, oh, like. You know, for this, is it quite a standout for 90s horror? Because it's like a lot of prominent actors and huge budget. Like they put a lot of effort into it and you, you notice it. And I was wanting more. All right. Is that a unanimous defend from? It is. I was going to ask when's the last time that happened. We have to consult the notes, but. Yeah, that's. Uh, it happens. It happens quite a bit, though. Yeah, maybe it's not as rare as I'm trying to make it seem. But I think we've been on a... We haven't had a unanimous destroy in a while either. So it's been like... I feel like the past couple have been like... There's been like one or two people that... There's been an outlier, yeah. Yeah. Destroying it. That's what you're saying. So yeah, I I really like this one. And now it's it's, piqued my interest again to watch the show um, that's on... Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm interested to check it out because I'm sure since it's the show format, they'll be able to go a little deeper into the book stuff that they had to leave out in the movie, and maybe even go further into different books. Who knows? 
Who knows? <laughs> but uh, that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you all who are listening, who have stuck through this interview with the vampire episode. If you're looking to get at us, look in the show notes. There's all of our social media in there from Twitter to Facebook, Instagram, giving you the most up-to-date places to talk to us and get information on blogs, on mini episodes, on full-length episodes. Any of your comments are appreciated. If you'd like us to do a certain themed episode, we are always, we have the door always open, slightly cracked, ready for you guys to come in and give us some insight. But until next time, I am Matt Johnson. I will remain in the shadows. I'm Peter Hansen, and I'm being, and I'm the one interviewing a vampire, I guess. <laughs> I'm Lindsay Broaches, and when you least expect it, I'll be jumping out at you from the shadows. <laughs> <laughs>